Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, and today, we are focusing on gut health. So my guest in this episode, I'm really happy to be joined by Dr. Chris Damon, Chief Medical and Scientific Officer at UR Labs, and Mark Washington, the founder and CEO of SuperGut. We discuss gut health and why it's essential for overall health. They explain that the gut is not just about digestion, but a portal to whole health and can include your neurological system, endocrine system, immune system, and more. They also discuss how what we eat and breathe can affect our gut and body health, and the episode highlights the importance of understanding gut health and how healthcare professionals should incorporate this information into patient care. So let's find out a little bit more about our guests. So Dr. Chris Damon, like I said, is the Chief Medical and Scientific Officer at UR Labs. Prior to joining UR Labs, he was uh, initiative lead of gut health in the enteric and diarrheal diseases team at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He holds an MD from Columbia University and an MA in molecular biology and biochemistry from Wesleyan University. He moved west to complete his residency in internal medicine and fellowship in gastroenterology at the University of Washington. He continued on at the University of Washington with a joint appointment in the Division of Gastroenterology and the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. He maintains an academic appointment with the University of Washington with research interests focused on investigating the role of diet and microbiome-directed therapies as treatments for inflammatory bowel disease. Past research activities have included early drug discovery work at Pfizer's Discovery Technology Center in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and epidemiological surveillance work characterizing plasmodium drug resistance genes at the Armed Forces Research Center of Medical Sciences in Bangkok, Thailand. More about Mark Washington. He is the founder and CEO of SuperGut. His background spans a wide variety of consumer health businesses, including serving as the CEO of Irwin Naturals, a $100 million supplements company, and leading producer of soft gel herbal formulas, sold over 90,000 retail outlets, president and COO of Beachbody, a $1 billion nutrition and fitness company with products including Shakeology Health Shakes, P90X, and the Beachbody On Demand digital platform, and working nine years at the wonderful company, a $4 billion agriculture and food and beverage holding company, where he served in a variety of roles, including CFO, EVP of sales, and Director of Strategy Operations for Fiji Water. Mark's deep experience in the wellness industry inspired him to found SuperGut to help people retain control of their health by harnessing the power of science of the gut biome. Mark holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a BS from Princeton University. Uh, So I really want to thank Dr. Damon and Mark for coming on. And talking about gut health, you guys, this is a really great episode, so I'm really excited for you to listen to it and enjoy. Hi, Dr. Damon and Mark. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you guys on to talk all things gut health, which is (laughs) 
something that I know as a physical therapist, we are as a profession becoming more and more interested in how we can uh, weave in gut health for our patients for a whole host of benefits. So thank you so much for coming on. Cool. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Yeah, Pleasure, Karen. I am really excited. So let's just dive right in. So when we talk about gut health, most people just think it has to do with digestion, but that might not be the case. So I'll have either one of you can start off, kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, happy to take a a go at that, uh, Karen. So I might be just a little bit partial because I'm a gastroenterologist. (laughs) (laughs) So you might be asking the right person, the wrong person here, depending on your perspective. But I tend to be a glass half full uh, type. And um, I would say in some ways, um, you know, we can think of gut gut health as a portal to whole health. Um, And in in some ways that's very true because this adage that you are what you eat and the gut is the center of disease and truly the center of health as well. um, These aren't just aphorisms. This is actually true. And and literally every, I think it's seven years, uh, every molecule in our body is replaced um, literally. Uh, So who you are uh, today, seven years ago, seven years in the future, just by matter and the molecules completely different. And where do all those molecules come from? Well, the air we breathe and and what we eat mm-hmm. through our gut. So um, just going through that little thought experiment says, well, the gut has to have something to do with our overall health. Now, you can make it as simple and as complex as you want to. And we can talk about the deep pathways and, and literally the, the super highways that are two directional uh, that connect the gut to the rest of the body, like the brain the immune system, uh, our endocrine system, uh, and we can dive into that. But uh, I always like to start simple. Um, and uh, I just, I find those analogies so compelling. Um, and again, uh, caveat that I'm a gastroenterologist, maybe I'll, I'll pass the baton over to Mark. <laughs> so for the, be less non-gastro, <laughs> for the non-gastroenterologist, we're seeing it from the same playbook though. Like, I mean, and this is obviously where Chris and I uh, over uh, uh, intersect and why we get along so much is just this fundamental belief in uh, understanding of the impact of your gut health on total health, right? And that's, you know, and the ability for you to actually do something about it through the food you eat, as well as, you know, what you're doing in your life, like the, the what Chris said, it is bi-directional. Like from my standpoint, I was thinking of this because I come from the health and wellness space of how can we help impact overall health and like really play a role in combating some of these unbelievably epidemic chronic conditions that we are dealing with, you know, obesity and diabetes and uh, blood pressure and cholesterol, et cetera. And it's really fascinating when I was indoctrinated into the science of the gut, which I'd say is about five years ago. So I don't go as deep as Chris in this space. It was literally mind blowing. Um, You know, I was, I would say before I was gut aware, right. I knew of probiotics and good for digestion and regularity and so forth. Right. But it was mind blowing to understand just how pervasive of an impact, the health of your gut, your digestive tract is not just on digestion, but in all of these different conditions um, in your body, including many of those that I wanted to do something about, like, you know, cardio metabolic health is kind of a big part of my focus and just such a connection and a tie to the way that your body, you know, regulates insulin control and blood sugar levels and appetite control and weight and cardiovascular health. 
so I was mind blown. And then you learn more about the connections that go beyond cardio, you know, metabolic health into the gut brain axis and, you know, mental health as well. And so it truly is in so many ways, your foundation for total health digestion. Absolutely. Let's call it the first stop <laughs> and the first mm -hmm. indicator, but it's so fascinating just how pervasive and how broad uh, gut health and the impact that it does have on, on total health. And if we can kind of tease some of those tracks out, one uh, being the immune system. So oftentimes from an immune standpoint, um, I start thinking about inflammatory markers and things like that. So how does your gut health, how, what is the two-way street for the gut health and the immune system? Yes. And I, I love how you put it in terms of tracks, because I would say there's maybe three main tracks or modes of communication. The immune system is certainly one of them. So that's the immune cells and all of the cytokines that they make. Um, the other main track would be the nervous system and neurotransmitters. And then the last one would be the endocrine system and the hormones. And mm. um, in some ways the gut is the other brain. It's the other endocrine mm. organ and it's the other immune system because there truly are as many, if not more neurons, immune cells, uh, and endocrine cells in the gut as there are in the rest of the body. Um, but yeah. in terms of the connection between the gut and the immune system specifically, how does that work? Well, um, when we're first born, the gut plays a really, really important role in educating the immune system, mm -hmm. uh, and, and telling our body, um, what is friendly and unfriendly. Uh, so all of the healthy microbes in our gut, we have to learn that those are friends. Um, the food that we eat, we also have to learn that that is friendly. Um, and the, the gut produces short chain fatty acids uh, like butyrate, acetate, propionate. And those um, in a very real way, uh, train the immune system that key regulatory cells to recognize these antigens uh, as friend. Mm -hmm. Um, so th that's an example of how the gut is playing a role, not just in training the immune system in the gut, but really kind of the entire body. Um, but the reverse is true as well. Uh, so if we, um, have an infection, uh, and we have, uh, inflammatory cytokines like IL-1, TNF-alpha, uh, flowing around in our bloodstream, those in a very real way impact the gut. Uh, and lead to opening of tight junctions, compromise uh, in that barrier. Uh, and a lot of uh, what's present in the gut then becomes more accessible to the immune system, and it becomes a speed-forward inflammatory situation. Um, some really fascinating work that's just been done on temperature curves, actually, and hospitalization and how mm -hmm. the gut microbiome is, is contributing to that. And so that's kind of another example, like which, which way is that going? Uh, is it the temperature and the cytokines that are opening that gut, or is it the gut that's actually contributing uh, to the mm. elevated cytokines and the temperature? And it's probably yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> One of the stats that I have seen, yeah. and Chris, you can back me up, just speaking to this connection between the gut and your you know, immune system and inflammation is, correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard that 70 to 80% of your immune cells actually reside in your gut. Right. I mean, to give you an indicator of just how pervasive that this connection is. And so when you think about that, you know, it goes to it makes sense that your gut would have such an important role in the modulation 
right, of, you know, your immune system and of inflammation. And it's one of the things that Chris has really educated me on. It's not, you know, you hear a lot of people talk a lot about boosting immunity, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really, how do you balance? How do you regulate, kind of keep these systems in check? Like that's one of the things that Chris, I mean, more is not always better, right? (laughs) It's how do you keep these things in balance and, you know, the gut microbiome playing a big role in that in kind of immune, you know, regulation, immune system response and regulation, as well as an inflammatory response as well, and making that, making sure those stay well regulated and the gut's a key role in that. So I appreciate Chris for educating me on that uh, aspect of this conversation. Yeah. And I've from- learned- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Mark, uh, you've, you've taught me um, probably that much and 10 times more in other areas. So it's <laughs> <laughs> and, and when we're looking at it from a real practical standpoint, of, well, what do we put into our gut and what shouldn't we put into our gut Mm -hmm. to help regulate these tracks, right? So, I mean, I think even I know like a whole bunch of processed food and like, you know, snacks and chips and and pastries and things like that, like not great. Sugar, Mm -hmm. basically sugar, right? Yeah. It's not great, right? (laughs) So, so how... Like, how can we educate people on making better choices? And specifically, what can we say instead of just like, well, everyone knows you shouldn't have sugar. Okay. But, you know, sometimes people need a little bit more practical uh, education. Maybe we can start out simple again, Karen. Um, uh, And I I think... uh, Michael uh, Pollan has, has said it well in his book, uh, In Defense of Food. Um, I'll try to get the quote right. I think he said, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. And we could probably end the podcast right there because that's all you really need to know. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't have to be overly complicated is what you're saying. It doesn't you don't have, have to, be. to You don't have to we have the right, yeah, the right yeah, combination of foods that need to be eaten at a certain time of the day and everything. Well, so, um, you know, journeys are important. Uh, and at the end of a journey, you always ideally end up right back at home. Uh, even in the life's metaphorical journey, you end up back home. Um, and, and yet you're richer for it. And that's how I see unpacking nutrition um, and how it ultimately points uh, the, the finger right back at that statement, but in a profound way, in a way that's compelling and in a way that is empowering um, and, and perhaps um, open to innovation uh, that uh, captures some of the profound elements of, of food. Um, and so I'm not the fetus. I, I also recognize the value of, you know, detailed research. Uh, and, and this is actually one of the things that we, Mark and I, uh, really um, identified uh, on and, and conspired on uh, uh, at the company and some of the, the work that we did there with the research. So w- one of the things to add on to this is... Um... I think we also share this common belief in trying to keep things as simple as possible, understanding the details behind it, but trying to keep things as simple as possible. When you look at the angle of nutrition, I think obviously the old message of eat your veggies, like don't eat sweets, et cetera, it's all true, but is it that helpful, right? Or practical, right? And so that's what we aim to do both through like education as well as through our products is how can we go beyond that and and create stuff that's sustainable and healthy? And 
what I believe is that the gut and the fact that, okay, so let's all, if we are aligned that the gut is important for managing overall health and disease prevention, then let's talk about what's the nutrition angle that impacts the gut. And it basically provides just another lens to help inform some of your nutrition decisions is how I think about it. It does come back to simple though. Like what are the things that are bad for your overall health? Like highly processed, you know, high sugar, you know, simple carbs that are, you know, spike your blood sugar. Those are things that are bad for your overall health. Guess what? Those are the things that are bad for your gut health as well, right? Literally like the the, the bad bacteria, I like to call them. Chris has more technical terms, but the mm-hmm. bad bacteria in your gut, they feast off of those things that make us unhealthy, all that highly processed, high sugar, high carbs, et cetera. And so it's just another lens on something we already knew. We already knew that these things were bad for you, but it actually is not just bad overall. It's literally bad for your foundation of health, your gut. On the flip side, there are things that we know that are good for you, right? Eat more food, not too much, mostly plants. Guess what? You know, if you follow that, you're going to get a lot of in your diet. You're going to get a lot of fiber. In your diet, if you actually are following kind of that old, simple, you know, uh, uh, statement about what do you get in your food? And guess what? Guess what your gut needs to create a healthy foundation? You need to get more fiber in your diet. And that's really the food for the good bugs in your Mm -hmm. gut that are responsible for keeping us healthy and producing, you know, those short chain fatty acids and butyrate and modulating these systems, et cetera. And so that's obviously a big part of where we focus at Supergut is how do we make it simple to one, avoid the carbs and, you know, the, the, the highly processed stuff, but how do we get more fiber to have this prebiotic effect, right? Feed the good bugs in your gut. That's a big part of what we do with our products. And obviously we do a lot of this education as well. So it really is simple, but now the gut provides a new lens as to how to think about these, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition decisions that we're making. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really well put Mark. And, um, you know, in terms of those, those missing things, uh, I think that's where, uh, some of the public health messaging has actually been missing the mark uh and we really have focused on the bad things uh and they're not truly bad it's just we get too much of them that's what makes them bad is that you know it's just too much and Mm -hmm. that's sugar and fat and salt um i think michael moss wrote a book uh by that title (laughs) (laughs) that's a great read um but it's as much what's been taken out through processing uh and reintroducing those things whole foods will do that it'll achieve that natural balance um it can be really hard for people to eat enough whole foods uh and they're not always the most convenient things and sometimes expensive uh so i'm a pragmatist and that's that's where um i um really start to get excited about well let's break it down what are the things we're missing and and fiber is one of them Uh, there's four other there's three other ones four total i call them the phonetic f's and so fiber, phenols, that's the cheat, that's the pH, uh-huh. um, <laughs> ferments, and good fats. Um, and if you look at uh, populations that live the longest lives, um, you know, there's a, a National Geographic cons- correspondent that has popularized the blue zones. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, where people disproportionately live to about 100 years old. One of the common denominators uh, are these four Fs. There's other things beyond food that are really important in lifestyle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and they capture those like community um, and purpose. Uh, but among food, those four Fs actually capture the common denominators pretty well. Now, Blue Zones doesn't talk about the four Fs, um, but it's just another way of thinking about what those common denominators uh, are. 
um, they're all really important. Fiber is is super important too. They all actually feed mm-hmm. uh, the gut microbes. And I think bugs is a great way of saying it, Mark. I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and what about um, probiotics, um, kombucha, apple cider vinegar, the little gummies, you know, I think when you, the way that they're marketed, this is just Mm -hmm. my opinion. So don't at me, but this is just my opinion, but it seems like they're marketed to people as being, if you just do this, you don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about anything else. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, just take this apple cider vinegar gummy or have a kombucha or take probiotics and you can kind of just eat whatever you want. I'll is let you start, correct? Chris, because I've got some. <laughs> I've got some thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have a lot of thoughts, and you know, truly, we could take each of those uh, things that you just mentioned and have a whole podcast uh, yeah. around them. Um, and this silver bullet approach to health, to nutrition, um, you know, as you allude to, uh, may not be quite right. It's really a holistic approach, and how. Um, some of these approaches fit into the bigger picture. Uh, it's not to say that uh, they can't help and contribute. Um, right. And, um, you know, fiber gummies, it, what type of fiber is in it? And can you tolerate that fiber? A lot of those gummies have inulin, uh, that's a, um, a so-called FODMAP, and that's a fiber that might make worse or exacerbate folks that have IBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's important to think about. Um, you know, not all probiotics are created equal. Um, not every probiotic that you buy and read, it's there on the label, actually has it in the product uh, because of the regulatory oh, they're not checks right. and balances. They don't present. have to be regulated like the FD, the like, like regular medications yeah, or, more, or traditional, traditional medications. That's true. That is correct. That, yeah, that's true. I would say even beyond that, like in terms of the mapping between the claims that you will see, you know, for many brands, and we'll just talk probiotics for a second, relative to how much of that has actually been validated, right? With evidence, not just right. on, you know, in specific scenarios, but like literally with those products in that format, like available over the counter, off the shelf, et cetera. Like, is it actually validated? Do you have evidence that you're going to deliver the benefits that, you know, are being claimed, you know, uh, as a result? And that's where I start to bring out some of the sentences. Listen, I, I love the space of health and wellness, but I do think many brands go, you know, a step too far in terms of claiming what this product is going to do for you in your health. And I, I kind of, I come back to the science, right? I mean, to really be able to, to stake some of the claims, actually having an evidence-based, like clinical validation to, to actually prove that you can deliver on, on that promise, I think is a key missing element that is uh, too missing out there in the space, even within probiotics, let alone when you get into uh, um things like apple cider vinegar and kombuchas of the world, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, that don't have a ton of, you know, evidence around yeah. true efficacy uh, around gut health and, and the benefits. It's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, as a physician, I always come back to the evidence base and there are probiotics out there, which have been studied for very specific conditions and for which there is evidence. Uh, and if I am suggesting a probiotic to uh, a patient, it would always be in the context of that evidence. Similarly, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about apple cider vinegar. 
And is there anything really special about that versus just standard vinegar or acetic acid? And there's actually a ton of research around just acetic acid um, and, and not all of that sort of flocculent uh, material or mother, the sort of dead bacteria that are present uh, in the apple cider vinegar, but the vinegar itself uh, being bioactive actually taps into the mechanism of how fiber works too. Uh, so fiber is converted by primary degraders, microbes in the gut. Good bugs. Largely the lower gut, <laughs> but good bugs. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> the commensal organisms. No. <laughs> um, that, that take that fiber and turn it into vinegar, literally, into acetate, acetic acid. And then it's the secondary consumers that take the vinegar and turn it into propionate and butyrate. Butyrate is probably one of the star molecules that the microbes make in order to affect um, positive health benefits on the immune system, on the neurological system, mm -hmm. and, and on uh, the endocrine system. So, yeah, I I think, you know, I, I tend to keep a very open mind uh, when it comes to some of these alternative practices, uh, especially if uh, an individual or patient is telling me, well, this has worked for me, doc. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just look at the literature and there's often like a 1970s paper uh, that says, well, maybe there's something here. And OK, maybe that's not enough to go out and tell other patients this is worthwhile. But I do think there's a ton of uh, wisdom and tradition. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that, uh, you know, we as practitioners should actually uh, be very open to uh, ultimately validating through, you know, RCTs. Um, would be you know important for for evidence but I, I, mm -hmm. I do think that wisdom is a really nice place to start yeah and you both sort of talked about fiber and as being very important and that there are different types of fiber how many different types of fiber are there and do we need all of it how many go mark yeah go ahead <laughs> go ahead uh, so there's a lot of different types of fiber yeah. and it's like anything. It depends on how you define a different type of fiber. Yeah. Uh, so very small changes. You can kind of categorize fibers maybe into 10 to 20 different major classes. Um, and then there are, you know, tons of subtypes of those classes. In fact, um, there's a, um, a biologist um, in the University of California uh, system, uh, Carlito Labria, who's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and he's created this sort of taxonomy of fibers, um, UC Davis, I believe. Um, but uh, do you need them all? Uh, I think was one of your questions. <laughs> no, 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 I don't, definitely don't. Not if there's like 40 of them. Um, definitely don't need them all. Yeah. But I am, I did not know that there were that many different types of fiber. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Which then begs the question, like, if should you be consulting with a registered dietitian or a physician before you start taking extra fiber? You know, if you're not getting that from your foods and you're getting it from some sort of supplemental product, if you're on medication or you have certain conditions, is should people be consulting? Because oftentimes you think, oh, it's over the counter. It's just fiber. Yeah, I think, um, number one, it's really important to listen to your body. Uh, mm. and with any food, if you feel like your body isn't responding well to it, you have a headache or 
you know, your stools are looser or you're constipated um, or you have pain. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that all could be connected to um, the foods that you're eating. So first and foremost, um, listen to your body. Second, if you have a medical condition, absolutely. Uh, it's really important that you talk with your provider, um, certainly around medications, but also around supplements uh, and herbs uh, mm -hmm. and, and fiber. Like, because um, not everyone responds to uh, food and supplements in the same way. Um, and, and, you know, some cases, uh, there may be contraindications to taking certain supplements. Uh, yeah. if you're taking medications, there can be interactions or if you have certain medical conditions. So hundred percent, yes, always, always go to your provider. That's actually really good blanket advice. Mm -hmm. So want to, to comment on the overall questions of different types of fiber, the, the one thing that, um, Chris really honed in on is, you know, not all fiber is created equal. I mean, a lot of times you'll see some, you know, I wouldn't call it necessarily a simplification, but a categorization of these different types broadly into groups. You know, a lot of times you'll see people talk about soluble fiber versus mm -hmm. insoluble, like, and they'll, you know, within that there's different types of soluble, different types of in, insoluble, like the solubles generally means dissolves in water and generally, you know, slows the digestive process. And a lot of, you know, the fibers that we use you know, are, some of them are soluble, right. And actually have been shown around some of the cardiometabolic effect of the slow digestion absorption and, you know, managing stable blood sugar and actually mm -hmm. having positive impact on cardiovascular, cholesterol, et cetera. And then you have the insoluble types of fiber, which are also very important, which are tend to be more associated, uh, you know, and Chris, correct if I'm wrong, but with some of the digestive benefits, right? You know, improving regularity and, you know, make sure that your stools are, you know, better, bulkier stools, good, good poop, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. a lot of times the insoluble fibers and in all the different categories fall into, fall into those. We actually have a mix of both in what we do as what I've seen and understand is that it's important to bring some of that diversity because you're actually serving different purposes, actually feeding different bugs that are responsible for different elements of your health. And so that's one of the general themes that we have is that, yeah, all fiber is good, right? It's all good. You want to get more in your diet. None of us get enough, right? And trying to get a diverse source of fiber, obviously whole foods contribute to this, but mm -hmm. this is also where you can come in where products like mm -hmm. ours to help supplement, complement what you're not getting through your whole foods. Cause almost none of us do get enough <laughs> fiber in our diets from whole foods. And so that's why we try to complement with some diverse sources to get that kind of, again, that solid foundation serving different functions, feeding different bugs in your, in your gut. And just, just one other thing to say that I think is really important uh, for any supplement uh, that some, someone's taking is uh, whatever you're taking, fiber or otherwise, uh, that's meant to be in the context of a food, of a right. whole food. Uh, so if you are taking something, it's not so much that it helps with absorption or things like that, but eating it with a meal um, is likely... Um, important for its benefit. And just from the perspective of microbes, uh, in the case of fiber, uh, microbes exist in communities and they consume nutrients uh, in complexity. Uh, so uh, those many different inputs are growing the many different bugs. And it's a really complex uh, network on both sides that's evolved over eons. And so uh, when we think about, well, how do we reinvent a processed food if you can do such a thing um, hmm. and 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 complement uh, the less good for you processed foods with some of the things that are missing, uh, like adding fiber? I think that's 
that's really important. The fiber is uh, going to maybe be most impactful uh, in the setting of consuming it with um, with those foods. And that's actually been been shown um, in some of the experimental work that's been done where uh, we see that the uh, blood sugar spike that happens after a meal, the so-called postprandial mm-hmm. uh, blood sugar uh, spike or area under the curve. Um, if you consume fiber, certain types of fiber, uh, like beta-glucan in particular, resistant starch, uh, along with that meal, it will blunt that sugar spike uh, by 30 to 40%. And with that blunt, um, you also release less insulin. And uh, with insulin, there's this whole cascade of events that happens Mm -hmm. um, biochemically within your body um, in response to that sugar in order to get it down. And chronically over time, really high insulin as a result of really high sugar can take its toll on your pancreas where that insulin is coming from can Uh take its toll on the rest of your body uh, and how that insulin is impacting the body, like the fat cells in the liver. Uh, So, um, you know, naturally whole foods, those carbohydrates come packaged part and parcel with the fiber and processed foods. It's just simple carbohydrates that's been removed from the fiber. So the next best thing is if you can partner them together, it, it truly does mitigate that that blood sugar spike and in insulin response. Oh, that's so interesting. And then can that that sort of insulin spike, or sorry, blood sugar spike and insulin spike, and if that keeps happening over time, is that what leads to type two diabetes? You know, nobody really truly knows mm. um, what the cause of type two diabetes is. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but that's that's one hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and you and that's why, like for those who do have elevated blood sugar levels, right? You do see um their profiles, right? In terms of the insulin production, the average blood sugar levels, you know, up until over time. I kind of think of it as, you know, it's just oversimplifying, but you kind of reach your capacity. Like your body has been taxed to the point where it's just no longer able to tell. And that's when, you know, insulin sensitivity has really declined. And that's where your, you know, your body is not able to produce as much insulin. And that's where your blood sugar levels stay high and mm. continue to climb. Right. And so we do know the output of it is the continued process. I think it's been very well studied is those who are dealing with this on a continual basis. And with those who are living with diabetes are experiencing by definition, like those high blood sugar levels and insulin sensitivity, um, which becomes very, very chronic condition and very, very difficult to reverse. Like once you're there, like for most people, unfortunately, that um, get diagnosed, right, with diabetes are, have the diagnosis for most of, if not the rest of their lives and are on medic, you know, medication, you know, to manage this, you know, condition through the rest of their lives as well. And you understand like how the whole mind body is connected when that happens, it tends to not just be diabetes and blood sugar, right? I mean, it tends to ride along with other chronic conditions, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, weight and obesity, or whether it's, you know, chronic inflammation, whether it's digestive issues, like these things tend to, I've just always been fascinated how so many chronic disease and conditions tend to ride along with each other. So you can see how much this mind body connection and how all of this does have so much impact you know, going back to nutrition and how it can be connected to so many other things in your, in your body, in your life beyond just putting on a few pounds of, of weight or, you know, what have you. Right. And now let's talk about super gut. 
right? So um, you guys gave us such a great education, I think, on certainly on fiber. I didn't know any of that. Um, and gut health. So talk about super gut for a little bit. So why, why, what's the why behind it? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. Um, so I've always been really passionate about helping people live healthier lives. It's kind of why I've charted my path and my career in this space of health and wellness and fitness and nutrition. I just am always driven by that. Um, it did reach another level though. I was starting to get an inkling around how could we do more than just better for you? Right? I mean, lots, lots of great products, supplements, food, nutrition, et cetera, that are better for you relative to many of the alternatives out there. But I felt like there's an opportunity to do more, like taking a more science-based, evidence-based approach to true functional food. Like I was, it was building up in me. Um, but the reason, the true inspiration for my why and why I decided to start this company actually is a personal story. Actually goes back to my sister, Monica, who um, struggled with their health uh, throughout her adult life. So chronic metabolic syndrome. So she was clinically obese, uh, did struggle with type two diabetes, uh, hypertension as well. Um, she tragically passed away far too young uh, due to complications surrounding her health and a, a high-risk pregnancy. Um, and that, as you can imagine, just shook me to my core. Like I'm a health and wellness executive, right? And my own sister who I, you know, would give shakes and diet programs and fitness, like it, nothing gave her power to change her trajectory. I was like, you know what? There should be a better way. Um, for to empower people with more control over their health. I wish Monica had had better ways to you know, gain better control over your health. And it was that that inspired me to start this company uh, from scratch, you know, a little bit later in my life and career than your typical entrepreneur. Really as an homage to honor my sister's legacy, right? How could we create true functional food as medicine, uh, tap into some of this science around making it more accessible, um, more functional, and frankly, more enjoyable to make healthier decisions. And I, you know, wanted to do it from the angle that I love the most, which is nutrition. Right. And so that was the spirit and the essence behind the why uh, for super gut. And, you know, and that's translated into now like honoring her legacy and empowering others. And it's just been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life is to actually see things come full circle where we'll have, you know, customers who have been struggling, right, uh, with their health that have actually, we've helped get into a healthier habit, um, you know, consuming our our products, our shakes or our bars or our, our fiber mix that have literally made a step change in their health and feel like they're in control, you know, for the first time in years. And some of whom have actually heard my story that I've been, you know, outspoken about and have actually, you know, paid homage to Monica, um, and you know, the light that, um, that still shines right by helping other people, um, is something that, that really gets me going, uh, when I see, when I see that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's, um, what a beautiful tribute you can give, um, to your family in honor yeah. of your sister. Really. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Damon. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's impossible to come in the wake of Mark and Monica's story. Uh, it's, it's really moving uh, to the core. Um, and uh, truly it was, you know, um, Mark's light uh, and, and sort of uh, Monica's light uh, that, um, that drew me to uh, the company. Um, it's just so clear you know, Mark's heart was in the right place. And, 
Um, my my own story is I was working at the foundation, uh, the Gates Foundation, working um, in the context of uh, women and children in low and middle income countries, sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia, and we're working on malnutrition, uh, stunting and wasting, and the double burden of disease uh, became so apparent where truly obesity, diabetes is just as prevalent uh, as wasting and stunting uh, in parts of the world that we're working. And it became so clear that we were really just replacing one disease with another. Mm. And I, I felt super compelled uh, that this is a problem that needs to be short-circuited. And it's a problem that we can short-circuit right here at home. Uh, and needs to be short-circuited here at home. It was around that time that I met Mark. Uh, and Mark was saying, well, you know, we've got this really cool product uh, and we want to put it to the test. We want to do a randomized placebo-controlled trial. And those are words that I speak. I was like, oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I'm a physician. I know those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great. Uh, I saw Mark as really um, being a, a guiding light for um for, for food in general, um, you know, kind of leading the charge as a precedent. Um, and so it was with that inspiration that I took the somewhat unusual and likely step from um, philanthropy and academia. And I, I still, I feel like I'm at the core an academic. I still am a U- University of Washington professor. I still mm-hmm. uh, see patients. Um, but uh, it was it was Mark's ethos and that guiding light and that realization that the double burden was real um, that inspired me to find a way to short circuit disease and whole whole food is part of it wholeheartedly for sure. Um, but it was so clear too that we're missing the mark and just saying whole food over and over again. It's not nothing's happening and. Mm-hmm there are technologies that can help us reinforce whole foods and we should continue to do that like smartphones and and apps and stuff. Um, But I, I truly see these next generation functional foods, the better for your foods, the ones that reintroduce the things that have been taken out as a really powerful complement to that. Uh, And so that's my why Uh, that's why, you know, I, I am passionate uh, as passionate as Mark uh, around this mission. Um, so yeah. Well, I love a mission driven company and this is certainly one of them. So where can people find your products? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> well, currently, you know, it is, we're all direct to consumer. Um, so the place to, to check us out is on our website. It's supergut.com. And what you know, obviously, you can learn more about Supergut and the products that we sell. You know, our, our shakes, our, our bars, our fiber mix—all literally packed with this diverse blend of these fibers that are going to feed your gut. You know, for better overall overall health. We're also very active on our social uh, channels as well. We try to provide you know what we call smart but engaging gut health content. Right? People are fascinated about this subject, and people you know mm-hmm. need to learn more. Right? About just how important your gut is for total health. And so we're very active, you know, at Supergut right on Instagram and TikTok and and Twitter as well. Um, and Karen, just for your listeners, we actually do have a special promotion uh, that if you don't mind me sharing. Absolutely. Um, 
So for folks that do come to our site to check us out at supergut.com, we have a, a our best offer, uh, a 20% uh, discount offer using promo code Karen. So Perfect. come come check us out. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, before we wrap things up, what are some key takeaways you want the listeners to come away with from our conversation today? And I'll, I'll let you both uh, give your key takeaways. Yeah. I'll start. I'll start. I mean, it's it's kind of like a summary of this, the interconnectedness between mind, body, and with at the center of it, your gut. <laughs> I mean, so think about it that way. Like this is all connected in so many different ways. And um, and obviously, if you're not taking care of that foundation, it's easy for one or multiple of these different avenues to be off kilter. And so that's just kind of one of these. And obviously, that ties back to the whole nutrition and the fiber and discussion that we ha- that we had before. But that's the the main point that I would take mm-hmm. is that it's all interconnected. I think you and I assume most of your listeners are quite aware between that mind body connection mm-hmm. and and the different spaces, but just know that at the center of it really is your gut, your gut microbiome as that foundation for health that you really have to make sure you're taking care of in order to make sure that you're taking care of all the other dimensions of, of health. Perfect. Dr. Damon. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. And um, I think the way I might answer that is to say, I think the medical establishment sometimes makes us feel a little crazy. Uh, and it means well, but nonetheless, uh, maybe to apologize on the part of physicians and providers um, and take some responsibility for that. And um, I, I put a lot of um, stock in what people tell me, like it's real, there, there's no doubt about it. And so um, listen to your body uh, hmm. and, and don't let other people tell you difference. If mm-hmm. this is something you're feeling, um, then, then it's real and it deserves attention. Um, so that's first and foremost. And then I, I think food can be so powerful. Um, and there's so much that we have to learn. Uh, and a lot of it is very personal, um, you know, personalization mm-hmm. to food. So again, it comes back to listen to your body, but, uh, food is a really important and powerful piece to uh, promoting health and and to healing. Certainly not the only thing. Um, I could give you some more acronyms, uh, maybe another podcast for <laughs> for the whole approach. To I'll health. get them going. Uh, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. But lastly is uh, just thank you. Uh, thank you for listening uh, and um, being an audience because, um, and actually Karen to you, uh, for taking the time to ask really good questions because mm-hmm. it's it's through forums like these that really important messages can get out uh, to people and that change can happen. Yeah, well, thank thank you guys for coming on. And last question, it's when I ask everyone, every guest on my podcast, and that's what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? So whoever wants <laughs> to tackle it first, go ahead. I'll I'll start. I'll start. So I would have uh, two things that come to mind. Uh, One is sort of professional, one's personal. First one professional is to not get so caught up in thinking that life is linear. (laughs) I've, I've learned through life experiences that it can't 
or be predefined that you don't just do it's not formulaic right and that it's not a straight line kind of throughout your life throughout your career and so be open to new opportunities because that's really where the development the learning really happens which things which are not quite on the predefined slope of which you might have in store in your mind uh so be open to uh things that that bear that go off of that path is one and then the second thing i would say is make sure you have courage to go talk to that beautiful woman that you see across the <laughs> dance floor um, because she will change your life in so many ways for the better. And that is, that was a little bit after I was 20. So I would, you know, I'd have to make sure to, 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 to make sure 20 year old me was ready to, to not be too shy to go talk to that, that pretty girl and don't be afraid of rejection, but just go do it. And, uh, and trust me, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll thank me later. Nice. I love it. Go ahead, Dr. David. So I'll, I'll say that's, that's great advice. And um, I've met that, that pretty girl on the other <laughs> side of the dance floor. And uh, <laughs> she's pretty incredible. Um, so um, yeah, listen to Mark. And you know, similar, I've, I've, I've got my own story around my own pretty woman, uh, in this case, um, on the other side of the hospital floor, um, <laughs> who helped me through that first night of residency uh, as a nurse. But, um, you know, the first thing that came to mind is wear sunscreen uh, from that uh, graduation I'm speech. with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. So that's, that's a good one. Um, but the other bit of advice that I'll give is um, find your passion and follow it. Uh, and if you follow your passion, things just tend to fall into place more often mm -hmm. than not. I mean, it's mm -hmm. certainly not, a perfect path. Uh, but I found this weird passion around bugs uh, <laughs> back when I was, um, you know, in training. And I've just followed that, that curiosity, like, what are these bugs doing? How are they connected to disease? Is it more than just infection? You know, what about all these chronic diseases? Uh, and that, that passion of mine, that curiosity of mine has always led me to um, really interesting uh life stories like hmm. this this whole super gut story that's happened hmm. over the last two years mm -hmm. um yeah i wouldn't have met mark otherwise uh in the absence of this so yeah i know it's easy to say find your passion it's it's, it's hard to find your passion mm -hmm. like that's the first step um the first step is finding it but if you are so lucky as to find that passion follow it and don't let other people dissuade you hmm. from following it no well gentlemen great advice from the both of you and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking all about gut health. And just for the listeners, one more time, it's supergut.com. Really easy, super gut across social media. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us, Karen. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. Pleasure. And everyone, uh, all the listeners, have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.